Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of Behind the Schemes, a conversation about protecting our planet's precious wildlife from commerce, corruption, and counterfeit cures. This is Risha Kota Larson, and in this episode, we're going to be scrutinizing South Africa's latest rhino horn trade shenanigans with Quinn Vu, founder of Education for Nature Vietnam, and Alison Thompson, founder of Outraged South African Citizens Against Poaching. Guess what, guys? The pro-trade brigade is at it again. Despite the parties to CITES overwhelmingly voting against rhino horn trade at COP17, South Africa's rhino horn trade advocates are still making their usual noises. Now they are attempting to circumvent the convention with what they are calling domestic trade in rhinoceros horn or a part, product, or derivative of rhinoceros horn. By the way, there is a link to this document on our website. Domestic trade. Perhaps it's just me, but domestic trade, doesn't that mean the trade stays within the country? Well, you wouldn't know it by reading the draft regulations for domestic trade in rhinoceros horn or a part, product, or derivative of rhinoceros horn. For example, let's take a look at item 2.1, referred to as the purpose and application of these regulations. It says, the purpose of these regulations is to regulate the domestic selling or otherwise trading in, giving, donating, buying, receiving, accepting as a gift or donation, or in any way disposing or acquiring rhinoceros horn within the borders of the Republic. Okay, that sounds domestic enough within the borders of the Republic, but wait. Here's where the loophole opens even wider. Item 2.1 goes on to say, and the export of rhinoceros horn for personal purposes from the Republic. But wait, you say, what about the Appendix 2 annotation for South Africa's white rhinos? The annotation is for the exclusive purpose of allowing international trade in live animals to appropriate and acceptable destinations and for hunting trophies. All other specimens shall be deemed to be species included in Appendix 1 and the trade in them shall be regulated accordingly. CITES allows trade in Appendix 1 species for personal purposes. CITES prohibits trade in Appendix 1 species for primarily commercial purposes, meaning that these rhino horns are not supposed to be sold in the importing country. It's a rhino-sized loophole, people. In other words, South Africa is happily providing yet another means of enriching rhino horn traffickers and thwarting law enforcement efforts across the globe. Just look at South Africa's pseudo-hunting debacle. Pseudo-hunting, of course, refers to the scheme used by South African hunting safari operators and other game industry insiders to use trophy hunting as a front for delivering rhino horns to the black market. Ironically, South Africa's moratorium on domestic rhino horn trade, which is one of the restraints the pro-traders have been whining about, was put into place as a response to the aforementioned pseudo-hunting debacle, or maybe as a response to the global community finding out about pseudo-hunting. Anyway, the draft regulations spout quite a litany of completely unrealistic criteria, which you can be sure would never be monitored or enforced. So in this episode, we're going to get both the South African and Vietnamese perspective from people who actually care about protecting rhinos on this document. 
draft regulations for domestic trade in rhinoceros horn or a part product or derivative of rhinoceros. A handful of South African game industry insiders have been making a lot of noises about a legal international trade in rhino horns. But as I said before, when a trade proposal was made at COP17, the parties rejected it. And now, just four months after COP17, the pro-trade lobby has managed to get South Africa's Department of Environmental Affairs to do its bidding with a proposal to reopen domestic trade in rhino horns. I asked Quinn and Allison if the draft regulations came as a surprise. Not at all. Uh, what I'm surprised is that it comes uh, earlier than than they said to us. Um, during COP17, uh, we had a meeting with a representative from uh, South African DEA, and they um, mentioned something like this to us, and they said that they would uh, legalize it in the next uh, two or three years. So we was so we was. We're not surprised when it comes, but we're very surprised that it comes this early. Um, Risha, it, it was a big surprise to us. Um, although not entirely unexpected, we were surprised because um, we had not um, ha- heard anything in the, the rumor grapevine that um, there was something on the move. Um, the Private Rhino Owners Association have been pushing for um, domestic trade for many years and um, have also recently um, challenged the minister in court to have the moratorium removed. So, you know, there's no there's no surprise in in the in who's behind this all. We we know who the people are that want trade, and we know the people who don't want trade. When we were in COP17 and the pro-trade people tried to persuade us uh, that selling rhino horns, um, you know, legalize the trade of rhino horns is the only way to uh, save rhinos from becoming extinctions. And they uh, use crocodiles as examples of success, just like many people, you know, some some people in Vietnam uh, also cite that example too. And of course, I question them, you know, have you been to Vietnam and do you know that actually farming of crocodiles led to extinctions of of uh, crocodile crocodiles in Vietnam in the wild and um and and it affects the populations of the neighboring countries of course they don't know any of that um but they um it's it's, it's like they they stuck to their theories i don't and to be honest i'm not so sure that they they make decision based on the interests of rhinos, but it seemed to me that um, there's a, a lot more to do with money than rhino conservation. With all that pro-trade squawking about, you might think that this noisy handful of landowners represents all private rhino owners in South Africa, but they do not. During the COP17, I was also fortunate to meet, uh, was, I met with a, a number of people 
who uh, who's, uh, who also own rhinos in South Africa and opposed to the legal trade of rhino horns. And these people, they said they never want to sell rhino horns. They want to protect these animals. And so, uh, you know, for them, they said they were doing other alternative economic um Business is like ecotourism, taking people out to see rhinos. So for some, they never want to see the 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 rhino horn trade to be legalized. And so, yeah, so it's it's it, for me, it's it's very interesting to see that even in South Africa, uh, the legalization of rhino horn trade is a very divide, uh, very divisive issues. You know, um, I think the rest of the world doesn't realize that the private rhino owners do not represent all private rhino owners. There are a vast majority of private rhino owners who are not pro-trade. Um, they are mostly um, owners who are in the tourism industry. Um, and they they don't um, necessarily want to trade because they don't want to dehorn their rhinos because they are a tourist attraction. You know, nobody wants to come to South Africa and see As I mentioned rhinos. before, the draft regulations for the domestic trade in rhinoceros horn or a part product or derivative of rhinoceros horn provides a wonderful loophole for exporting rhino horns. So these draft regulations that were um, put forth, they're called domestic regulations it's it's for the what it says is the do, a domestic trade but you've read the draft why do you think there's so much focus on exports if this is just supposed to be domestic trade doesn't that seem weird to you it is very strange and for you know someone from vietnam or from other countries, um, not the citizens of South Africa, I would say, okay, I cannot interfere with the domestic affairs in South Africa. And South Africa wants to legalize domestic trade of rhinos, rhino horns, fine. If that's what you want, if that's you think that's how you you want to uh, to, to do and to make money in your countries, then fine. But do it just in your countries. Don't try to export rhino horns to Vietnam, to China, or to other countries and blame this country for killing your rhinos. You cannot have the cake, eat it, and then blame somebody else for eating your cake. Yeah, well, you know, reading through this document, um, it's it's actually quite shocking to to have a look at how um, broad some of these um, regulations are. I mean, uh, what the one question that has been asked of me literally every five minutes since they've they've um, been published is, um, it says that you can take two rhino horns out. So is that two a day, or two a week, or two a month, or two a year, or two in your lifetime? So if you look at the regulations here where it says that you have to have a permit, or if you don't have an import permit, you can just have a letter. You know, that's con- uh, in contradiction to, to the regulations of CITES. You can't just have a letter saying that, you know, they will issue a, a Unfortunately, permit. wildlife crime laws are pretty much universally under-enforced. Some countries are getting better, others are not. What about Vietnam and South Africa? 
I guess it's very difficult for for international community to look at Vietnam closely. In fact, Vietnam, oh, I believe that we have made a, a great progress um, in addressing uh, rhino horn trace in Vietnam, in, not just in terms of raising awareness of Vietnamese people through mass medias or, or local events to raise Vietnamese people's awareness about uh, the crisis. We are very enthusiastic about the new pinnacles, which has been approved by the uh, by the National Assembly, and is expected to become a, into effect in 2017. And with this new law, Vietnam has a specific articles on rhino horns and ivory. If you possess or you sell a small amount of rhino horn, you would be subject to prosecution. So Vietnam has been making uh, a lot of effort in addressing these issues. We realize that that we are one of the consumer countries uh, for for rhino horns uh, in the world, and, but and but we are working on it. We are making progress. But however, we cannot address the problems if South Africa now want to make money, want to uh, uh, want to make money from rhino horns. You know, the country, they, they, they need to take responsibility too. We, we cannot solve the problem if only the problem solved by a uh, consumer country, a consumer end. They need to address the, the supply end too. No, there's been very little improvement. And in fact, you know, um, there was a case just a week or two ago where the, there were two Chinese guys in Cape Town who went into a restaurant and they had a backpack with them. And in that backpack, they had um, pieces of rhino horn and ivory. And they accidentally left the backpack um, in the restaurant. And the restaurant owners opened up the backpack after they had left and saw that there was rhino horn and, and ivory in there. So they took it to the police. They went, um, the Chinese um, men came back the next day and said, you know, we've forgotten our backpack here. And um, the restaurant owner said, look, you know, we, we, we found it and we took it to the police. You can go and collect it from them. Um, literally two days later, I think they got a small fine and were deported. But that's, that's not justice. You know, with the amount of money that's involved in this type of um, illegal crime, that Meanwhile, is not justice. in Vietnam, local NGO Education for Nature Vietnam has been working tirelessly on demand reduction programs and strengthening wildlife crime laws, particularly those laws which pertain to the import of rhino horn. But these latest trade loopholes proposed by South Africa would undermine years of progress. We, we actually have been very excited that the penal code would come into effect and that we would be able to promote prosecutions of rhino horns crimes in Vietnam. We are very upset that South Africa now want to legalize the domestic trade. So that means it doesn't matter you know, all, all the efforts that Vietnam put 
into strengthening the law in in uh, in, in wildlife protection in the uh, in the penal code, which is a very important law in Vietnam. Vietnam has put so much effort in strengthening our law so that we can enforce the law, strengthen the law enforcement. We were ENV as an organization. We are very excited about this uh, this new penal code uh, that you know we can't wait until uh, for it to come out. And now, now we have to deal with this. I mean, it doesn't matter when when South Africa uh, legalized the domestic trade. It means it doesn't matter how strong our new penal code is. We still have a problem. That means most of rhino horn crime would not be prosecuted in Vietnam. Law enforcement authority would find own source of excuses why they cannot enforce the law, why can they cannot prosecute this case, why they cannot confiscate uh, the rhino horns. And to be honest, I can't blame them because the people, the countries that, that, that we should blame is South Africa. They should not do this in the first place. If they want to legalize domestic trade, they don't talk about import or export to other countries. If they want to protect rhinos, then don't try to sell rhinos to us, to the country like exactly. Vietnam or so China. Exactly. So these uh, laws that you're talking about, the new penal code, those are only going to be effective if rhino horn trade re- remains illegal if it doesn't come if it doesn't cross any borders correct Vietnam ban import and export and uh, purchase and sales of, of, of ivory and rhino horn except with the country that Vietnam has MOU with and in this case Vietnam has MOU with South Africa and it doesn't matter what details in this law says once South Africa legalized the domestic trade that means you can expect a large number of rhino horns would come into Vietnam with legal permits and nothing we can do about it. Vietnam has been taking responsibility. We trying to, we are working on raising awareness of Vietnamese public. We're working on strengthening law enforcement in Vietnam. We have been working on, on, on improving our legislation. We are working, we're making the progress. So South Africa can no longer blame country like Vietnam for not doing anything. The next COP conference should blame country like South Africa. Okay, should not no longer focus on Vietnam because now if they legalize the trade of rhino one, the blood is in items their hand. Items 3.4 through 3.8 of the draft regulations are particularly interesting as they specify under what conditions rhino horn can be exported. This section says. A person may not export rhinoceros horn via any port of entry or exit other than OR Tambo International Airport. A person may not export rhinoceros horn as hand baggage. A person, other than a duly authorized freight agent, may not export a rhinoceros horn. A duly authorized freight agent contemplated in subregulation 6 must report on a monthly basis the following to the Department of Environmental Affairs. A. The name of the owner of the rhinoceros horn or person causing the rhinoceros horn to be exported. B. The number of the export permit. 3. I mean C. 
the markings of each individual rhinoceros horn, serial number and microchip number. D, the genetic profile information, reference number or DNA sampling kit number of each individual rhinoceros horn. E, the date of export of the rhinoceros horn and F, the physical address of the recipient of the rhinoceros horn in the country of import. And number eight concludes by saying a rhinoceros horn may not be exported unless the export permit has been endorsed by an environmental management inspector or by an official from any other border law enforcement agency mandated to perform this function. So is it realistic to expect that any of these steps would actually be taken? Well, let me um, start by telling you a story um, about what happened to me one day. We um, were returning from the U.S., and we arrived at OR Tambo probably at about 10, 11 o'clock. And um, because it was so late, there was nobody in customs at all. And as we came through customs, there was a, a cleaning lady that was sitting on a chair and everybody was handing in their customs documents to her. So, um, you know, I have um, a little confidence um, in the... Um, <laughs> Regulations and security um, of of OR Tambo, you know, um, you know that's just one incident. Um, you know, we also have a massive um, crime problem here in South Africa. A lot of people um, are followed home from OR Tambo and are robbed and hijacked. So, you know, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of issues. You know, um, going back to the um, this document and the regulations here, you know, it's all very well having all these regulations. You know, um, it's they have to be enforced. Now, the problem that we have in South Africa and the reason why we have such a poaching crisis is because we don't have the capacity for this to enforce all these these things. You know, we've got some brilliant laws here in South Africa, but we are completely incapable of enforcing them. We can have all these wonderful things on paper that say that, you know, you have to have all this DNA stuff done and microchipping and, you know, paperwork. And, you know, we've got the most incredible counterfeiting um, organizations here in South Africa that produce wonderful um, fake passports and IDs and all sorts of things. You know, we've got the most incredible corruption in this country where you can get anything Most, done at a price. Not necessarily all member states of the Southern African Development Community or SADC are notoriously pro-trade, but the possibility of one of the member states opening up any sort of trade loophole for rhino horn is indeed very troubling. So, yeah, so I think that that is the reason why they've they've done that. So um, Namibia and Swa- um, Swaziland and Zimbabwe and, you know, other set of countries can bring their horns into South Africa. And it's not easy to go up against well-funded special interests. But if we want to protect endangered species like the rhinoceros, we've got to give it our all. I believe that... On the NGOs, especially on the NGOs working in, in, in South Africa, on the NGOs working on protecting rhinos in South Africa, need to unite and take stance and, and raise their voice to the government. Where's their voice? 
I encourage other government, the international communities also raise their voices too. I think it's important to remember that, you know, whether we've got trade or no trade, um, unless we've got proper enforcement and um, we've got um, a judicial system that supports um, the guys in the field by ensuring that decent sentences are handed out, you know, when when people are cooperating in the law. If we don't have those things in place, You've we are doomed. You've been listening to the Behind the Schemes podcast, episode 43, with Quinn Vu, founder of Education for Nature Vietnam, and Alison Thompson, founder of Outraged South African Citizens Against Poaching. We've been talking about South Africa's latest rhino horn trade shenanigans. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you learned new things on our podcast and will join us in our battle to stop the economic exploitation of endangered species. Be sure to check out our blog on animiticus.com. This is Risha Kota Larson with Behind the Schemes.